Welcome to episode 250 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, we are so honored to be sponsored in part today by NutriSense. You guys hear us talk about continuous glucose monitors, aka CGMs, all the time on this show. And in particular, we love NutriSense, and here is why. NutriSense not only provides a 24-7 moving picture of your glucose values, they also offer a unique opportunity for self-discovery. So imagine this. You have a meal, and then you notice a spike in your glucose levels. So you think, hmm, that didn't go well. But here's the magic. Tomorrow, you can make a simple change. You can swap whatever you were eating for something else. Now you have real-time data to evaluate the impact. Maybe instead of that fruit, you have some vegetables. Maybe instead of that oatmeal, you have some yogurt. Maybe instead of that steak, you have some fruit. The continuous feedback loop that you can get with a NutriSense CGM empowers you to make quick, informed iterations with your meals. Maybe the change results in a completely normal glucose level, or maybe it's still a little bit high, but significantly better. Armed with this knowledge, you can refine your choices further, rapidly steering your glucose values back to the normal range. Without a continuous glucose monitor, honestly, you're just guessing and assuming that what you're doing is working. And when you go test your blood sugar levels at the doctor, that's just a snapshot of that one moment in time. It's not telling you what actually was happening throughout the day all the time. What makes NutriSense truly transformative is its ability to create lasting habits and intrinsic motivation. So instead of relying on generic advice from professionals or online sources or us, you have personalized real-time data from your own body. When you see the direct impact of your choices, it will resonate on a whole new level. This newfound awareness becomes the driving force, making it easier than ever to stay motivated and committed to your health journey. I promise you friends, it's like opening your eyes to the secret to lasting change because it gives you this empowering knowledge that you just didn't have before. So if you're looking to take charge of your health, gain real insights into your body and make sustainable, positive changes, NutriSense is your ultimate partner. Join them and us on this journey of discovery and unlock your full health potential. Get started today at NutriSense.com slash podcast and receive a $30 discount off of your first month, which includes two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support. That's nutrisense.com slash IF podcast for a $30 discount off your first month with two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support, which by the way, I get a lot of feedback on just how helpful that nutritionist support is. It's so easy. You can talk to them in real time in the app and they can really help you make sense of all the data that you receive from your continuous glucose monitor. NutriSense.com slash IF podcast. And I am just so grateful to NutriSense for helping support today's show. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 250 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. Yeah, 250 seems like a milestone, doesn't it? I know. I actually, one of my Facebook moderators, asked me if we were doing anything special for it. And I was like, um, no, sorry. 300, I guess we'll be. 300, we will. We will. We'll be the next one. Or we could do something for the birthday. Like when, you know, wasn't it like May 1st? Is that when the, when did the first one come out? Oh, I don't know. Was it in May? 
here's what I think happened. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Did we just, you're like, I'm going to submit it to iTunes and see when it publishes because they just accept them when they accept them. And then it just happened to be a Sunday night. And that's why we publish on Sunday because that just happens to be when it happened. Didn't we post a little teaser thing so that we could lock it in? We did not. We did not. I did that for my podcast and I'm sure you did that for yours, but we did not. We just posted it blind. That's what I think we did. I kind of remember that. And like it just happened to hit on a Sunday, and that might be why we post on Sunday. Hmm. Like, I swear I think that's what happened. That's how I remember it. I remember us wanting to do Sunday. Interesting how we have <laughs> this definitely makes you just like question everything about reality. I remember like us wanting to do a certain day, but not knowing if it was going to post on that day. So we were going to let the first one hopefully land around that time. And then we were going to like pull it together? I don't know. The reason why it sticks in my head that I don't think we did that is because when I was creating the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast, Resonate Recordings was helping me get started. And they were like, we suggest that you, you know, release a episode zero. And so that episode zero will be the trailer episode. And then you, you make sure to have plenty of time before, you know, so you can have your first episode be on the day you want it. So I, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, I'd never thought of any. I feel like I would have remembered if we had done that, too. It wouldn't have been so like, wow, what an interesting strategy. <laughs> I don't know. That's just how I remember it. But it was somewhere. I know we were shooting. I think we were shooting for May 1st, but maybe it, it came out early. I can't remember those details. Well, it has <laughs> been a long time. <laughs> it really has. That's crazy. How is the weather for you right now? Well, I'm living in FOMO land here in Augusta, Georgia, because everyone who lives north of a certain line is getting snow. You said you've got some snow. We're getting wet rain. I mean, I guess wet rain is the only kind of rain. Well, there's freezing rain, but it's still wet. But we're just having regular rain, and it's 37 degrees. (sighs) And people are like, oh, it's snowing. And I'm like, not here. So it's just so so you've had some snow, right? It is snowing right now. Oh, I wish I could see snow. I am looking out the window and there is snow falling from the sky. So people often wonder why Augusta so often doesn't get the same weather as Atlanta. And it has to do, can I put on my third grade science teacher hat for a minute? Please do. One thing about Augusta is we are in the coastal plain of Georgia. We're literally like the very northernmost part of the coastal plain because actually when you look at all the like the oldest cities, like Augusta's been around for a long time. When you look at some of the oldest cities that are inland, like up rivers like Augusta, they're like as far as you could get. And then people got here and they're like, well, let's just make a city here. So like if you're sailing up from the coast up the Savannah River, Augusta is as far as you can go because they had the fall line, which means that there's like rapids and stuff. So just north of Augusta are are the rapids. You're not going to get a big boat up there. Anyway, because of the change in the, I guess, elevation and the river and the way it all, Augusta is just right on that line. Like it's almost like an anti-snow bubble. You can be watching the radar. Like I can remember back in my teaching days, when they would be like, we might have snow, we might not have snow, you'd be watching the radar, and it would be like there was a dome over Augusta, and the snow would just like bloop right north of it every time. So we've not had a good snow or any snow that I've seen in really a few years now. 
thanks to us being on the coastal plain. Does that same thing happen in Memphis? I feel like that's what they always said. Memphis is right there by by the Mississippi River. So I'm not certain. I mean, a coastal plain is generally close to a coast, but it's definitely something because, you know, of course, Memphis is not. But I, I don't know what that region would actually be. Like probably the Mississippi River Basin is probably what they call it. And so the elevation would definitely be a factor there. The Mississippi River Basin is also fascinating. I had a lesson that I used to teach when I was a science lab teacher and we were learning about rivers. I think it was maybe fourth graders that I did this lesson with. If you take a big giant map of the United States, like a laminated map and like Sharpie markers or something, and you start at the mouth of the Mississippi River right there in New Orleans, and you trace up, like north, you're going north, trace the Mississippi River all the way to its origin, but then you also trace all the tributaries, you're going to the east, you're going to the west. It it just shows how much of the United States empties out right there at the mouth of the Mississippi. It's like everything on the on the side of the Rockies and on this side of the Appalachians. It's like a giant tree. The image that it makes looks like a giant tree and the root is right there at the mouth of the Mississippi. Wow. I know, it's fascinating. I love geography. Yeah, that's ringing lots of vague bells. I just remember we rarely got snow and they would say it had to do with something about something with the geography. Yeah, certainly the topography makes a huge difference. The, the way the mountains keep it away or the, the change in elevation causes you know the, the temperature to do different things. But we are just right on that edge. Like my brother lives just over an hour away in South Carolina and they're like right there in the snow belt. So, although can I tell you this? Next Friday, they do have snow in the forecast for us. One inch. We'll see if it happens because that can disappear very quickly. Well, fingers crossed for you. It's such a wonderful feeling to, I'm literally, it looks like I'm right by the window and I'm just watching the snow. Yep. It's amazing how just a few degrees make a difference. It's very exciting for me. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. Oh no, snow makes me excited too. I don't like to be cold unless it's snowing or if I was super hot and now I'm cold for a minute, then it feels good. But Anyway, enjoy your snow. I will. And speaking of cold, I'm using that as my barometer for when I'll know that I'm really on the up and up from COVID. I have not done cryotherapy since getting COVID. Like I was doing it every single day. And I'm just like, I can't. You just don't feel like being cold. It was seeming like it might just wipe me out. But today's the first day that I'm like, I think I could do it, except it's a Sunday. So I probably won't make it in time. That's going to be my barometer. I'm excited to get back in it. Well, how are you feeling? I'm feeling so much better. My taste and smell is coming back. I'm glad. That's huge. So for listeners, join my Facebook group, IF Biohackers. I debated for a while if I was going to do this, if I was going to actually post like what I was taking and what I was doing just because it's so polarizing. But I decided to because I think it can help people. So if you join my Facebook group, you can find the post where I posted everything. I I was doing a blend of nutritional support and data-supported pharmaceuticals. And then I spoke with a doctor, actually a doctor that I've had on my show, and he recommended some more nutritional support and pharmaceuticals. And that has really, really helped. So join my Facebook group. <laughs> I'm glad you're you're healing and getting better. I have had the craziest two weeks. I want you to take a guess. 
How many podcasts do you think I have recorded in the time between January 1st and January 14th? Counting the ones that I'm on, you know, that ho- I host and co-host, but also ones I've been guests on in 14 days. I don't know. Now you're pro- I probably like have made it seem so big that you'll get something way too big, but <laughs> 12, 18. I was okay. Wow. That's a lot. I was like, why am I so tired? It's a lot of talking. It was a lot of talking. Yeah. And you know, what's really funny is I started to think about that. I was like, man, that was a lot of talking. And I'm like, wait a minute, I used to be a teacher. I literally talked all day, every day, but it was different. You know, it's like different when you're standing in front of your class that you see every day and you're just like hanging out with them versus like you have to be on when you're on a podcast. You have to be like on the stage. Well, and it's like, like this show feels more like that compared to where you're with a guest or you're being interviewed. Right. Like being on this show does not make me as, you know, feel like I'm on stage anymore. It just feels calm and casual. Also, life lessons is like that. And intermittent fasting stories for the most part is like that. Although, I mean, I still have to be more like on than here because I'm, you know, guiding the conversation. It's different. But when I'm a guest on someone's show, it just feels like a whole different thing. Yeah, same. I don't know. I feel like I should be more resilient, but I don't like like something where I have to show up and like be on camera. I don't like to do more than one a week. Oh, one a week? Oh, I did three in one day. The first week of January, three in one day. It just worked out that way. And that was a lot. Three hours was a lot. So anyway. Yeah, it it takes a lot out of me. Kind of like I don't really like going out more than once a week. I mean, I will, but um, I'd rather not. <laughs> I can't do more than one thing in a day. It's been hard because I've had many days, obviously, if you can tell, with 18 and 14 days, there were many days where I had two in a day. So anyway, I'm, I'm getting off that. It's calming down. So that's really good. It's calming down a little bit. I still have some a few busy weeks ahead, but... I'm like, whew, I'm ready to just take a little break. So anyway, at least we can we can take a break today when we're talking together because it's no stress. Even when I got COVID, I was like, well, I rescheduled because I had two or three episodes for the other show. But this one, I was like, it's fine. <laughs> Pull it together. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. 
And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalonsCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. All right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Absolutely. Let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have a question from Kelly and she has a few different questions in here, but the subject is research cellulite and weightlifting. And Kelly says, hello, I started your podcast two weeks ago and your approach instantly motivated me to try IF. To say I'm a novice is an understatement and I have over 100 episodes to listen to. If she just started two weeks ago, she has more than... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. This is probably an old question. (laughs) Wow. I'm not thinking. (laughs) Okay. She says, believe me when I say that I am really looking forward to this. Keeping my newness in mind, I would like to address the following. First, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In all caps. For addressing authenticity and manipulation in research. I just finished episode 152. I'm bouncing around the episodes right now. I am an English teacher, Teachers Unite Gen, for 11th, 12th, and introductory college classes at my local community college. Too often, my students are lazy researchers and do not value fact-checking what they are reading. Because we have information at our fingertips in today's world, we have become lazy consumers rather than informed questioners. I just really appreciate that you provide a real-life example of why we need to be empowered researchers. Do you want to comment on that at all, Jen? Yeah, I just, I think that's awesome, Kelly. Thank you for pointing that out. And it's so very true. You know, you have to be empowered to question. And I've always been a questioner. Always. (laughs) My whole entire life from when I was little. Just because, you know, people said this is what it is. I'm like, hmm, how do we know that's for sure? So 
I've always been a questioner and I always will be. So thank you for appreciating that, Kelly. Yes, I could not agree more, especially kind of like what Kelly was saying. We have so much access now to so much information that you really can fact check things for yourself. And the backlash I've seen though, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like there's a backlash where people will say you're not qualified to interpret or read like scientific studies and information because, you know, it requires a certain level of education or profession to read the studies and interpret it. But I just really want to empower people that like you can, (laughs) you can do it. You can read things and learn what's out there and make your own judgments. And true, some things might require a certain level of knowledge to fully understand, but I don't like to see that as a barrier to just listening to what everybody else says about something rather than going to the source material yourself. You know, I've actually found errors in scientific journals. Who am I to be qualified to judge that? Well, I found an error in one that they cited a study and they said the study said something. And then I went to that study from the study, from the one study to another study. And it was the opposite of what they said it said. They interpreted it wrong. I'm sure they didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. I'm certain. But we're all humans, you know, and everybody, two people can read the exact same thing. Two people that are highly credentialed can read the exact same thing and come away with a completely different interpretation. We see that all the time. And so understanding that there's always been disagreement in the science world. 100%. And then not the same thing as far as it being you know, technically wrong. I mean, we've talked before about how news articles can skew what's actually being said, but just whatever the researchers, like whatever their agenda is, what they choose to focus on in the abstract or the conclusion, you can draw completely different conclusions than what's really being seen and told if you look at the entire data. Just by Actually, this is a really, really good example. We have a girl helping us run our Instagram now, and she's incredible and amazing. So we send her like quotes from this show for her to pick out quotes to put onto the Instagram. We had sent her this one a few weeks ago, and it was a whole paragraph of what I had said about whether or not you could gain weight on 700 calories. And so she shortened it down. By shortening it down, it actually changed the meaning completely. Like it was still a direct quote of what I said, but by taking out like one sentence, and she didn't realize that this had happened, but it made what I was saying be the complete opposite meaning. So yeah, but it was just, it was really enlightening for me because it just really made me realize even more how you can still literally quote what somebody is saying, but if the context is just ever so slightly off, it can mean something completely different. So yes, so people do your fact checking for yourself and also just to further empower you. I feel like there's a vibe now of fact checking and so sources will fact check things, but you also want to make sure you trust the source that's doing the fact checking. So I don't know. I'm just trying to empower people to think for themselves. Okay. So the rest of Kelly's question, she says, now onto my personal questions. Have you noticed less cellulite from an IF lifestyle? I have struggled with cellulite since I hit puberty. 
Although I live an extremely active lifestyle among teaching on my feet all day, teaching dance lessons in the evenings, choreographing school musicals, and going to the gym four to five days a week, I cannot rid myself of the cellulite on my thighs and glutes. Yes, I've tried every remedy out there with little success. Since you're not advocates of the scale, maybe I can measure my success in cellulite. Uh Can we talk about cellulite before we go on? Yes. Here's the most important part of, of this, Kelly. The part where you said you've struggled with cellulite since you hit puberty. To me, that indicates a very genetic form of cellulite. I'm the same exact way. And I wish I could tell you, you know, I'm a big proponent of the magic that IF does. Did it solve my cellulite problem? No, (laughs) it did not. And I have also tried every single remedy. In fact, there's one I tried. It was this tool you could buy that you could use. And it was, I think it made it worse, honestly, over time. I think my cellulite is worse now than if I'd never used that remedy, truthfully. The thing is, is that we, we've just been conditioned by airbrushing and magazines to think that cellulite is something that we should be ashamed of. And we have got to just wear our shorts and our bathing suits proudly and have the cellulite because that is how skin looks when you're not airbrushing it. I mean, there might be some people who genetically are, you know, we can use the word fortunate because I think every one of us, if we could snap our fingers, would prefer to not have it, even though I'm sitting here saying we need to not worry about it. It's easier said than done. Like if I could snap my fingers and have perfectly smooth, no cellulite, I would do it, but I can't. And I recognize that it is just naturally how we're built. And so I am choosing to embrace it in lieu of there being an alternative because there isn't. I can either hide it and feel bad about it, or I can just say, you know what? This is the way my legs look. It's the way my mother's legs looked. It's the way my grandmother's legs looked. And there's no shame in cellulite. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. We've done a few episodes on cellulite in the past. I'll put a link in the show notes. I know there was one where we dive deep into the potential mechanisms. That was you digging deep. (laughs) It was me saying, if you have it, you have it. You're just going to have it. There are people who, there are people who find that intermittent fasting helps with their cellulite, but they probably have different skin architecture than I do. And there's a lot of debate as well about the cause of it. I know, for example, people in like the PUFA world will say that PUFAs are the cause of cellulite. A lot of people will say that's hormonal. It's definitely something that can be very, very stubborn. (laughs) That is for sure. And I think it's actually probably something, and this is something I've talked about before, but if you were to go the topical application route I've also talked about this a lot in the past, but there's a lot of like skin tightening type things that med spas and stuff will do. They can be a little bit pricey, but I do think those are probably more effective. I think some people can probably address it through fasting and diet and stuff like that, but I think probably the most effective, and I'll probably talk about this a little bit more in her next thing about exercise, Like I've talked in the past about something called cool tone, which can work for cellulite. I've started doing something called M-Sculpt Neo, which I'm going to talk about in the exercise thing. That's been helping a little bit. I do think cellulite is something where doing something topical in combination with diet and fasting is probably the best approach. 
I actually want to develop a topical cream for cellulite as well. And can I pop one more thing to think about in there? Mm -hmm. Have you looked at the work of Rubens, the painter? I just looked up to see when he was a painter. He was painting in, he was born in 1577 and he died in 1640. He's the guy who painted all the women that have a lot of cellulite back in the 1500s there. I'm pretty sure they weren't eating poofas. I don't know. That's just my thing. Women that he painted in the 1600s were gorgeously full of cellulite. And so I just don't know that we can say, oh, it's just the modern world. So so I wonder if that's because I'm reading right now. I'm still reading Dr. Rick Johnson's book, Nature Wants Us to Be Fat. And he talks about the cultural changes in society. Like, was that during a time? when, I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Is that during a time when they painted lots of really overweight women because that was what was associated with beauty due to like the royalty were fat? I'm not sure I would say that they were like super overweight women. They were just normal. I mean, they had, they were curvy. I mean, I don't know. I think that it was just like, like he celebrated the woman's body. And, I mean, people just were wearing clothes all the time. I mean, you know, out in public. So that, I don't know. Like, people certainly weren't wearing bathing suits out in shorts out in public. So I think that they just, he celebrated the female form. You know, probably, yes, we know there were different periods of time where what was viewed as the ideal body changed. And a plumper body was more a sign of wealth and prosperity. But they had plenty of cellulite is what I'm saying. His book is blowing my mind. And I talked about this last week, but he's the one who thinks fructose is the cause of like everything. So he even thinks, this is so interesting, he thinks like the whole insulin hypothesis that it's not about insulin either. Like the reason low-carb diets work isn't about insulin. He thinks it's all fructose activating the polyol pathway, which creates sorbitol, which actually creates more fructose. I'm on a tangent. I mean, I don't understand how you could say that. I mean, to me, the in, the whole quote, insulin hypothesis, end quote, we know that high levels of insulin, or insulin is antilipolytic. I mean, that's not really like a question, right? So what he says is that if you remove the ability, so like they'll do studies on rats, and if you take out their ability to metabolize fructose, they can be overfed with fructose and they won't get the metabolic syndrome. Well, okay, see, now I don't, they, they've lost the ability to metabolize fructose. That's a very strange kind, I mean, that's, I don't know that that proves that point. Like if you don't have, like think about like, for example, type 1 diabetics, how they would, you know, before we understood what type 1 diabetes was, you know, they weren't making insulin, they would they lost the ability to make insulin, they would die. That's not a normal body state. I just realized I left out the main thing. So he thinks the, the fructose creates uric acid, which damages the mitochondria and basically creates this survival switch state where the fat cells just want to take in fat and store fat. And the reasoning for it is like back in the day, we'd eat fruit in preparation for hibernation. 
And that would tell our bodies to start storing ahead of time, store fat. So by the time winter came, this is for animals, I guess, by the time winter came, you live off of your fat stores. He thinks dehydration also sparks it. I can't wait to interview him because it's really interesting to hear him say that about the low carb world. And he, he even says in the book, so he says that he spoke with Jimmy Moore and Jimmy was saying that he had to cut out all carbs to lose weight. Rick Johnson originally thought that it was just fructose. And so you could have glucose and be fine. But he spoke with Jimmy Moore and Jimmy Moore was saying that he had to cut out all carbs and that didn't make sense to Dr. Johnson. But then they did more research and they realized that if you eat a ton of glucose, it actually turns into fructose. So he still thinks it's fructose. And I also am not sure that we can look at one guy's example. It's like, oh, Jimmy Moore proves this theory. I don't know. That's, that seems a little strange to me too. No, no, no. It wasn't Jimmy Moore didn't prove the theory. Jimmy Moore was an example of he was questioning how it could just be fructose if Jimmy had to also reduce glucose as well. Like just the concept, not like Jimmy specifically. Why am I on? Oh, I'm on this tangent because he talks about historically, culturally, we would be in times where to be overweight was seen as the, like the royalty and like the people who could afford the food and people would preferentially, he talks about, I should find the examples. He talks about like societies where they would literally like put women, the wives of the royalty or whatever, would like be in rooms and they would just be fattened up basically. It's crazy. Um, I just wonder with that picture, if that was part of any of that time period or not. Well, oh, yeah, certainly. But, but my point was that if the theory is cellulite is related to the modern world and PUFAs, then I think we can say, uh-uh, no, you can go back historically and see that they had cellulite way back then when they didn't have all these toxins. Okay. Yeah, I see. I don't know. I'm not saying it's necessarily PUFAs. I'm saying there's a lot of theories. Like some people think it's the seed oils and the PUFAs. I bet I should ask, I should ask him about cellulite. I'm sure he'd probably thinks it's the sugar. They ate too much fruit. No, I just think it's how we're, we're, some of us are built. I don't think that it's any more complicated than that. Just because I know what happened to me. I didn't change my diet from pre-puberty to post-puberty. I didn't suddenly start eating differently. And I had zero cellulite, went through puberty, bam, there's the cellulite. I mean, obviously some of that's hormonal, but as your body changes, you know, hormones have a big impact on what your skin does as I'm noticing on the other side of menopause. I do think it's largely hormonal. And for me, I didn't have any cellulite like at all. And then I took a medication. I got cellulite after that, which it's empowering in a way. I do think that probably it can be addressed. I just don't know what the answer is. I don't think you're necessarily destined to be that way for the rest of your life. I think if you could find the answers, I think there are answers out there. I just don't know what they are. I feel like if there were answers that we knew of, everyone would already be doing it. Well, I think a lot of them are cost prohibitive. So like I was mentioning those different things that you can do at med spas, I, I think those actually do work. They're just, they're very expensive and you have to do them a lot. I do think there are solutions. I just don't know if they're always approachable for everybody. There's one more sentence Kelly said that I want to address. She said that we're not advocates of the scale. And I really want to say that that's not true. I don't weigh. 
But I, I did weigh for the whole you know time I was losing weight and the whole first year because I could handle it. And then all of a sudden, the scale started to mess with my mind and maintenance, and I didn't like it anymore. So I am definitely not an anti-scaler. I believe that the scale has a role in the lives of many, many people. And then there are other people that it does not have a role in their life. It's just all the, you have to know yourself well enough to know which you are. I agree. Same page. Same, same page. We are. I I knew you were too, but I just wanted to pop that out there because I don't hate the scale. I don't use the scale, but I embrace it as a very meaningful tool for a lot of people. And I think it's super important to know your own relationship, how it makes you feel and how it works. That's probably something where you could probably find data to support either side. Like I do know there have been studies on people who weigh daily being more successful, but there are some people who are just happier not weighing. And I, I think it's really just about finding what works for you, like like everything. Oh yeah, there's definite research that I could I could find right now that shows that weighing frequently is associated with better weight control for for a lot of people. So that is true. And the question there though is like cause versus effect. Is it the type of person that would be weighing every day is the type of person that is, you know, really going all in and tackling it and doing it? You know, I actually, I remember my sister and I talking about weight years and years and years ago. Wait, this is way before intermittent fasting. There was some supermodel and I can't remember which one, but I remember my sister had read something. She was in a magazine and her quote was something along the lines of like, they, she was an older, like had been a supermodel. And then this is like later. And they're like, how do you maintain your weight? And she said, whoever it was said, I get on the scale every day. And if my weight is up, I put on my tightest jeans and I wear them all day. And you know, that like reminded her to not gain weight. But I just skip the scale part and wear my, my jeans. <laughs> Yeah, like I go straight to the honesty pants. I don't need the scale to tell me. My pants always tell me. That's really funny. I like that. Yeah. Hooray for honesty pants. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us, and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, literally every single day of my life. I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near-infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near-infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near-infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. 
You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. So, okay, rest of Kelly's question. She says, I am also curious about your exercise schedule. I know in earlier episodes that both of you addressed that you do not work out, but rather try to live actively in your day-to-day activities. Although I completely support that, I was hoping you would address more on the decisions not to exercise when both of you are concerned about longevity. As a mother to two daughters, I want them to see a woman who values physical strength over the number on the scale. Now, as I just admitted, this hasn't helped much with my cellulite, but I don't need to ask the men in my life for help when strength is of a concern. I suppose what I'm really asking is, as independent women, How does exercise manifest in your life and what are your rationales for such manifestations? This is a deep question about exercise. (laughs) I think it's something really important to talk about because I definitely, definitely don't want to make it seem like I think we shouldn't exercise. I highlighted four words in there that I was like, puzzled me as to the fact that, that that's how she interpreted what we say, our decisions not to exercise. Really, I think nothing could be farther from the truth. I haven't made a decision not to exercise. I've made a decision not to do, I, I don't go to the gym. I can't say I do Pilates or I do yoga or I do whatever, but I'm very active. Like when I go to the beach, I walk several miles a day. Even here around the neighborhood, Chad and I might go for a walk after dinner. That's exercise. But I don't like put on an exercise tape and do it like, you know, I used to in the past because I don't enjoy doing that. I I clean the house. I have a, I don't know, it's a pretty good size house. We were going to downsize and we accidentally did the opposite. I clean my own house. We don't have someone who cleans for us. I clean it myself. And, you know, that's exercise. When I'm on my hands and knees scrubbing a bathtub, that's exercise. My frame of reference would be that being active is what we want, and it doesn't have to look like formal exercise unless you love that. But I also have a vibration plate that I stand on, which is good for muscle building. I have a rebounder that I jump on. I mean, I I would say I do every day something that would be considered as exercise if I wanted to formally 
say, now I'm exercising, but I just don't segment my day like that. I'm like, now I'm going to jump on the rebounder for a few minutes, or now I'm going to walk around for a while and go for a walk on the beach. So I, I don't think either of us have decided, you know, to quote, not exercise, right? Completely. I think one of the most important things is being really active in your life. I think by exercise, I just don't tend to go like go to the gym and then run on the treadmill for 30 minutes and then go home. Or I don't tend to do a lot of exercise classes, but I think that daily movement and activity is so, so important. Like, don't you have a standing desk? Mm -hmm. That's activity and moving. So the chair that I'm on right now, it's a, um, it's like a wobble chair so that you're always having to stabilize. It moves. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, so muscle and longevity is so, so important. So it's really interesting speaking about metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance. I'm pretty sure it's hypothesized, if not known. I know I've heard a doctor talking about this before, that insulin resistance actually starts at the muscle, which is really, really interesting. But I think like muscle being a sink for excess glucose and then muscle is just correlated to longevity in so many ways. So I am. Like Jen was saying, cleaning her house, I love being active and cleaning. And I love, I wear weights. As, as you guys know, I wear weights during the day, all day, every day, not all day, a large portion of the day. So I'm always stimulating my, my muscle. And then I mentioned this earlier in the, the cellulite question, but my new obsession now, and I'm really interested by this concept because. I have some cognitive dissonance surrounding it that I've realized is probably a societal thing, but I have started doing a lot of this thing called M-Sculpt Neo, which is muscle stimulation. You lay there and it stimulates your muscle. I might've talked about it on the show before, but it's like when you do your arms, it's the equivalent of 40,000 curls. When you do your abs, it's the equivalent of 20,000 crunches. And when you do, I've been doing my glutes. I don't know. There's probably like 20,000 lunges and you like go somewhere and do it yeah you lay there it's a machine but you like go you go somewhere that has the machine is what i mean you don't like have one at your house oh no 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 okay that was my question (laughs) i don't even know how much that machine costs what's interesting is i am finding it so beneficial for building muscle and very very time effective because a session lasts 30 minutes. The arms last an hour because you have to do biceps and triceps. It feels like a lazy thing to do, you know? Well, that's my vibration plate, right? <laughs> I can't. And sometimes I might actually hold weights while I'm on the vibration plate. Like I'm standing there on the vibration plate, watching TV and holding weights at the same time. So the thing is, is we don't call ourselves fitness enthusiasts, but we're definitely active people. Like, like I can't wait to get back to the beach when it's warmer and kayak. I'm going to kayak all over the place. Oh, wow. That's so exciting. I love to kayak, but I don't think, see, that's, that's me. I don't think of, I am kayaking because I need to exercise. I think kayaking is a lot of fun. I want to go kayaking. Or like swimming in the ocean is like so much exercise because you're fighting with the waves. But it doesn't feel like exercise. I love just dancing around my room. Me too. I dance with music when I'm getting ready. But what's so interesting about the the M-Sculpt Neo, so the effects that I am getting from that is 
so much more than you can get from the gym, especially when you line up, like the amount of time you would have to spend at the gym. And then on top of that, it actually contracts your muscle way deeper than you consciously can without really any soreness or only a little bit. It also works to break up the lactic acid while you're, while it's working. It's basically getting what would take possibly months at the gym in just a few sessions. Some of it is very unpleasant. I will say that, like painful. Um, <laughs> but it's just interesting, like just from a societal, cultural thing, like, cause I'll lay there and I'm like, am I being lazy or am I being just really, really efficient? And I can do work, well, during some of it, I can't while the arms because you can't hold a phone. The thing I like about it though, is I think it's so, so healthy. And it goes back to building muscle. Like I just think building muscle is so, so important. Oh yeah, me too. I think so too. And that's one reason why the vibration plate has been such an important part of my life and that I use it frequently because I believe it's a great way to maintain muscle mass. I also, what was it? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, There was something on the tip of my tongue and I forgot what it was. Never mind. Ignore me. (laughs) But can we answer her very last question where she said, as independent women, how does exercise manifest in your life and what are your rationales for such manifestations? I think that in a nutshell, I would just say I consider myself to live an active life and the rationale is that it's fun. I've tried to be the person who took classes at the gym or did the gym equipment and that isn't me. We even bought our house. I I know I've probably talked about our house that we lived in before this one that came with gym equipment in the basement. Do you remember me talking about that? It had a whole gym full of Nautilus equipment because the people that we bought it from, the lady of the house ran like a little fitness studio in the basement. People paid money to come and exercise there. So I was like, man, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be in great shape. I didn't even like going down to the basement to do it. That's not the way I like to move my body. So my rationale is I want to have fun and enjoy what I'm doing. So I move my body and I'm active every day in a way that feels good to me and is fun. And I will answer that question too. First, I wanted to mention really quick, it's not the same thing as the M-Sculpt, but when I had Dr. Terry Walls on my show, she's the doctor that reversed her MS through diet. But we talked a lot about E-STEM, which is also muscle stimulation. And she talks about how it can reverse a lot of the metabolic issues and things that people have with MS. It's basically the similar concept of like stimulating muscle. And actually NASA is currently studying this technology for the astronauts because they lose muscle mass in space. That's actually where vibration plates came from, NASA. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Because with astronauts, that is the root of that technology. Oh, that's awesome. One last thing. So I sound like an advertisement for Imskull. I'm just so obsessed with it. In addition to building, this ties into the cellulite thing. In addition to building muscle, it actually also can address cellulite and destroys fat cells. Like the energy in it can actually break down fat cells and they're then processed through the lymph system. And what's also really interesting is you get effects in muscle growth like 30 days after your last treatment. Like your your muscle keeps rebuilding that long, which I find really, really interesting. And also I think that speaks to, if you can keep growing a month later, it speaks to clearly muscle growth doesn't necessarily happen 
just right after you exercise. Like, and this is kind of goes into the whole thing about fasting and like, when do you need to eat and muscle growth? But that's a whole tangent. To answer the question about the independent woman. So I'm, I'm wondering if she's asking this because she says like, I, she says, I don't need to ask the men in my life for help when strength is of a concern. So I actually have a lot of thoughts about this. It doesn't bother me. So I consider myself a very independent woman, a very independent woman. <laughs> I think I, it's funny. I meet men and they get a little bit confused, I think, by my independent streak. It doesn't bother me in general. Oh, by the way, husbands that you've been married to since 1991 also get confused by independent streaks. <laughs> it's so funny. So you were saying it doesn't bother you? Oh, yeah. So it doesn't bother me, though, that men, in general, men are stronger than women. <laughs> like, I physically. I mean, there are women who are stronger than men. But in general, men physically are stronger than women. And so if I can't pick up something and a man could, I don't think that says anything about my role as an independent woman in society. Yeah, like if I have a jar that's too heavy or not heavy, but I can't twist the lid off, I'll hand it to Will or to Chad if I can't do it because they have a little more physical strength than I do. Jen, that is the perfect example. Like, yeah, if I can't open a jar... Am I subscribing to some patriarchal system by asking a man to open the jar? I mean, literally, I would ask anyone in the room if I couldn't. Like my friend Sherry, if she was here, I'd be like, can you try to open this? I can't do it. (laughs) Then we would probably pass it back and forth a few times to one of us like, quote, loosened it. (laughs) I could talk about this forever. I just think this is such a fascinating topic. But so I think my role to answer her question about an independent woman and how exercise manifests in my life. So to answer that in regards to what she is talking about strength and needing a man for help with physical strength things, I want to be as strong as I can be. But if I'm not the strength of a man, I don't think that says anything about my role as an independent woman. It doesn't bother me at all. Like if someone needs to move a washing machine, I'm okay not to be that person. Yeah. Me too. And I don't feel like that keeps me from being an independent woman. Same with other things that might be seen as typically like man jobs versus female jobs. Like I'm not a car person. Like, and so like fixing a car in general, I'm probably going to go to a man to fix that. Or a mechanic. You're going to go to a mechanic, but it could be a female mechanic. Right. But it doesn't bother me that probably the mechanic's going to be a man. Like that doesn't bother me. I can do a lot of things that that Chad can't do. Like we complement each other very well. Yeah, exactly. In fact, actually like pretty much everything. What he's good at is not what I do. What I'm good at is not what he does. And that that's, I think, the beauty of any kind of relationship when you have people that support each other's strengths, whether you're, you're men or women, you know, like with the two of us in this podcast, the things that you do for the podcast are different than the things I do, for, you know, for the podcast. We complement each other. Exactly. Also on the flip side, though, maybe this speaks more to what Kelly was getting at. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm a woman, so women aren't strong, so I'm not going to build muscle. Like that might, you know, that's like the opposite and and that, and no. Oh, no, I love to be strong. Like if the UPS man comes to the door with my green chef box and it's really heavy, he's like, do you want me to help? I'm like, nope, I got it. And I'm just like, boom. Like, I feel super powerful carrying a heavy box. Oh my goodness, Jen. Okay. This does happen though all the time, all the time. So when I go to the grocery store, 
I wear weights. I don't use a cart ever. And I always bring in two really big bags. So I carry everything around the bags. And I always buy lots of water. So I'm usually carrying like gallons. Like I carry a ton. And probably 30% of the time, somebody will make a comment like, don't you need a cart? Or do you need me to carry that for you? And I, I'm just like, no, I'm fine. And then, and then oftentimes they'll be like, are you sure? And I, every time that happens, I, I always think, hmm, if I was a man, I don't think anybody would ask me this. Well, we are in the South. And I think that a lot of like men, for example, have been taught, they've been raised to like be assistants. If, and I don't feel like that is like a bad patriarchal way. I just think it's like the manners we're raised on. Like teaching our sons to open the door for someone. Like if someone opens the door for me, I am like grateful that they were considerate. Even if it's a man, I don't feel like they're, you know, (laughs) I'm like, thank you for doing that. I don't know. It's just the way we were raised to be helpful. I feel like I have this whole like analysis of the situation in my head every time it happens because I think it's kind. and, And yes, maybe it is happening just because I'm a woman, but in general, women are, it doesn't bother me, but I think people take a lot of implications from it. But I also do feel like when it happens, I, I do feel this need to like be like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I can carry it by myself. And then you feel pride there, like me. I feel, instead of being irritated that someone might think I need help, I feel proud that I'm strong enough to like show them what I can do. How do you feel, and I know we're running out of time, but how do you feel, Jen, if you were So talking about that upbringing with like the South and everything, if you dated somebody, well, back in the day before you were married, um, (laughs) who subscribed to those beliefs. Like what beliefs? To subscribe to what beliefs? Like opening the door or paying for women or things like that. I mean, I like those beliefs. What if you wanted to like pay? What if they would not Oh, well, no, there's no, not going to be a time where someone's not going to let me do something. So if they're like, no, I will not allow, I'm like, well, okay, goodbye. I would not be in that relationship. <laughs> because the- I have experienced that. Uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no. See, that's different. No. If I want to carry the heavy thing or if I want to pay my own bill, it, it's fine to offer, but I still get to decide. You're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> there's the independent woman. Yeah. I've had that experience. I mean, I've had, maybe I've just had really good role models of strong Southern women who, you know, stand up for ourselves and don't put up with any kind of, I mean, we know how to handle handle ourselves when any of that comes along. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. No one's going to be telling me what I can and can't. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can say no with a smile. Yeah, I was dating somebody who said that I was never allowed to pay. Okay, nope. Bye. Uh-uh, no, you didn't tell me. Uh-uh. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I, I absolutely know how I feel about that. That would not be okay to me. I think someone could say it differently. They could say, you know, I would love to, you know, it makes me feel really good to pay for your or whatever. That's a different thing. You know, if, oh, I'm happy to have you feel good, pay for me, you know, but I will not allow you to pay. Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, I'm probably I feel like I'm I'm giving too many specific details, but even like like he would get really uncomfortable if we went to a restaurant and I I was the one who had like made the reservation because 
then I was, you know, that was like the man's job. Well, see, that's, he's got a lot of issues, that man, whoever, whoever he is, he got some issues. <laughs> that is not how we're, we raise our men here in the South. <laughs> uh-uh. So I think this is one of my favorite questions. <laughs> No, we raise we raise our our well. I mean, I'm just can speak to what I did. I raised my my boys to be polite to everyone, and to help anybody who looks like they need help. If someone's struggling with a lot of stuff, you can open the door for them. That's, whether they're a man or a woman, that's just courtesy. Exactly. Did we just do one question today? We did, but there's one more little. Well, she ended up that the last little part that you could read that you didn't read. She says, um. I was can't believe we only did one question. Well, but it was three in one. Yeah, this is true. She says, thanks so much for taking the time to read this. I deeply admire what you're doing and cannot express enough how motivating you are. I deeply believe that you're helping me better understand my relationship with food and wellness. And I love that. And that is really how I, I view my, myself and my work. My work is to help people rediscover their relationship with food and wellness. And we're all on a journey and we're in different places. And so we all want to have a good relationship with food and with our bodies. And, you know, like like what we were talking about with cellulite here, you know, having I have a much better relationship with my body, even though I would pretty much say that if I looked at myself from my 20s, my legs don't look as good as they did back in college, right? But I'm 52 and I'm more likely to wear a bathing suit and shorts now. Because as you you heal your relationship with food and wellness and your body, you become so much more confident in your own skin. I love that. And now I feel super bad because that was like a really beautiful way to end. And I just remembered that I gave one of the wrong resources. So I want to just say that really quick. (laughs) Even though that was like a beautiful way to end the episode. (laughs) Um, I was saying cool tone earlier, cryo skin is the cellulite thing that's often at med spas. Cool tone is actually similar to Imsculpt Neo, which is the muscle stimulation. So just to clarify, but yes, back to Jen, everything that she just said. Exactly. Wonderful vibe. So, and Jen, so since we've recorded, so when we started, there wasn't really snow on the ground. It was just snowing. Now there's like snow on the ground. Oh my God. I'm so envious. I envy your snow, and we're sitting here, and it's all just dreary. Like, the cats aren't even happy. I hope we get some next weekend. Next time we record, I will I will know, and I hope I have some good snow news for you. So don't forget to ask me. I hope it's good news. Please, just a little bit of snow. Now, what I don't want is, like, that we in 2014, which is the last time we really, I don't know if it's the last time, but that's when we had, the like, the famous ice storm. The terrible ice storm of 2014 was so bad. We also had an earthquake. That was like the worst week ever. You had an earthquake? Yes. It was 2014. It was like such a bad ice storm that Jim Cantori was here. I remember being at school and they're like, Jim Cantori is on the river walk. And I'm like, oh my God, we're all going to die. Wait, who's Jim Cantori? The guy from the Weather Channel, wherever he goes, where the weather is worst and the like, he's there. He was on our river walk and it was really, really bad. A lot of trees came down and we didn't have power for almost a week. But then it's actually on February 14th, 
is when we had the earthquake because we still didn't have any power. On Valentine's Day? Yes, it was the Valentine's Day earthquake. And I don't know why I was awake at 11 p.m. because I'm never awake at 11 p.m., but I was. And I remember exactly where I was standing. And the whole, like, room was, was like, in the the bath door bathroom doorway to the bedroom. The whole room started to shake. I'm like, what was that? And I pulled up Facebook. And of course, I was still charging my phone because we would go to Chad's office because they had generators. So we were charging. We would go in. We would all charge our stuff up and then come back home. I was taking showers in the janitor's shower at the university. Did the toilet work? You can flush a toilet when without electricity. Yeah. Because that does not rely on electricity. But unfortunately, our hot water heater did rely on electricity. It was, we had a tankless hot water heater that required electricity to work. Here, we have several hot water heaters here in our home, but the one that feeds the master bath is gas. So I'll be able to get hot water here no matter what. But anyway, it was quite the time. People were like, did we just have an earthquake? And we were joking, like, what was next? The plague of locusts. (laughs) It was really a tough week. (laughs) I remember hearing Noel Tarr talk about like the Circadia thing in Virginia. The bugs? Yeah. Yeah. They are locusts. Oh, that's what it is? I mean, I don't know. I think we called them locusts. I remember when I was a little girl, the kind that came out like every 17 years or something. I can remember them being out and they were freaky. I have one last question that just hit me and it's going to bother me. I'm staring at the snow coming down. I don't buy what they say about no two snowflakes being alike. That doesn't make any sense. Well, they do say it. Because think about it. When a snowflake is formed, it doesn't know if that's been formed before. Is there some like source that's like, oh, this has been formed before. We can't make another snowflake that's the same. I don't buy that. Well, that is a very interesting thought. I will say one time I was at school when it started to snow and you know, here we are in the South where it doesn't snow very often. And we had so much fun. It was, I think I had third graders that day because it was when I was the gifted teacher. We would often go in and out through the window of my classroom, which was probably illegal. Like I took the screen out and like threw it away when no one was looking. So we could use that as a door. We would just climb in and out and do science stuff outside the window. And so I gave all the children black construction paper And we climbed out the window and we had magnifying lenses and we had so much fun catching snowflakes on black construction paper and looking at them. That just like brought me that flashback. And they were like, this is the best school day ever. I'm like, we were the only people out there. I don't know what all those other teachers were doing, but I'm like, it is snowing. There is a 0% chance we're going to go inside and do work. We're having science outside. It was just fabulous. I hope that they all still remember that. I'm sure they do. But if you, everyone out there who has children, That is a really fun activity. Get some black construction paper. I think I did that at some point. That's ringing a bell. Yep. But you catch the snowflake right on there. And these were like big, fat snowflakes you could really see. And you just, you know, use the hand lens. And it was really fun. I also doubt you that no two are alike, but there's zero way to prove that. Unless maybe there is some way of like scientific modeling that I don't understand. So maybe they can. I don't know. But I also share that skepticism. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm sure there was one just like this back in, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to Google that after this. (laughs) But in any case, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. 
If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 250. You can follow us on Instagram. I am Melanie Avalon, Jen is Jen Stevens. And you can get all of these stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. All right. Well, anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that was it. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. Theme music by Leland Cox. See you next week.